Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're super excited. We are taking on a worthwhile endeavor at Life Success and Legacy. Our intention is to honor Nelson Nash, the man, as well as the infinite banking concept. We're going to create a series of resources, including podcasts and text, as a resource for others who want to truly understand with depth and clarity what Nelson shared in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker as well as the many seminars and think tanks that we were fortunate to have attended during his life. So who is this intended audience? Well, we will use Nelson Nash's own words. It is written for the layman, not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. So whether you are an individual, part of a family, a business owner, or a life insurance agent, this is for you. So sit back, relax, and we will walk you through becoming your own banker step-by-step so you can reference the parts you want to revisit at your own pace. And we might have a little fun along the way. Hey, thanks for joining us again on our podcast. Um, As we shared in the intro, we are um, taking step-by-step through Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, um, for your benefit. Um, for those of you who did not get to attend a, a Nelson Nash seminar or have never attended a think tank, um, reading the book is paramount. It's incredibly important, but there's so much more that goes into it. And we're fortunate that we have Mike Everett, who was mentored and was able to attend many, many seminars with Nelson Uh, as well as think tanks. And so we can provide you some context, some richness, some depth to what the book uh, is is talking about. Um, So, Mike, thanks for joining me. You ready to dig in? Thanks, Chris. You bet. All right. So we're going to pick up uh, here the second section of the introduction, and um, we're down on the paragraph where it says, this book is written for the layman. Not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. Again, unfortunately, this is not the case. Very few of them have more than a rudimentary understanding of its qualities. Mike, we run into this all the time. People throw out IBC, infinite banking, and then when you really dig into what they've created with the policy – they have no idea what they're doing. And that's in the design, that's in the company that they're using, even the product that they're using. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the purity of what we try to do with infinite banking? Oh, my. I've got so much running around in my brain right now. Unfortunately, and we talked about this, um, the life insurance companies for the last 200 years didn't understand or they didn't know what this was all about. So now we come down here to this part still in the introduction, and it says it's written for the layman, not for the life insurance agents or the advisors, but the life agents ought to be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. Well, if the life insurance companies don't know about it, how in the world are they going to be able to teach their agents, their advisors about this? They're not. 
So part of the problem is, and it, it, the very last sentence of this paragraph says, very few of them have more than a rudimentary understanding of its qualities. As type A people, because we're, we're sales, so to speak, we get just enough information to be dangerous. And then we go out and we run hard with it. So part of what we've got to do, life, success, and legacy, our, our team, we must take this to this high level of education to be able to help people understand and become knowledgeable about it. So we, as IBC practitioners, as IBC coaches, we've got to know about this. It's so funny. In my margin, it says right here, agents refuse to learn. And I know for a fact there are people out there that, that are telling them, telling their customers that they are IBC agents, that they teach the infinite banking concept, but yet they don't understand an eighth or a quarter of what needs to be known and given to the client themselves about the entire infant banking concept as a whole to be able to help people make the kind of educated decision that they need to make in order to move forward with IBC. Mike, in fact, you and I are um, Nelson Nash Institute practitioners, which means we took a test and you know had to study. That test was designed by Dr. Bob Murphy, PhD economist. And right. I studied for about six minutes for the test. You studied for about six, six or I studied for six months. You studied for about six minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a story in itself. Yes, it is. Um, we are obligated, if someone asks for an IBC policy, we are obligated to provide them a certain product. Can you talk about what our obligations are? Well, um, when, when we became authorized practitioners, uh, we literally signed a document, a form, uh, stating that we would design the policy in a certain way. That means that the, the internal re-engineering or reallocation of the premium deposits that they're going to make in the system needs to be situated exactly the way Nelson taught it in his book. So and a de-emphasis on death benefit and an emphasis on cash value. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we, we figured out just through trial and error what, what that perfect so-called perfect scenario is for how to get that de-emphasized death benefit and flood load some cash into this thing. So we've, we've taken some time and some energy to be able to learn what really works best for each and every client. Now, the next um, piece of this starts to dig into the whole idea of IBC, and, and Nelson says it's to recapture the interest that one is paying to banks and financial companies for major purchases, you know, appliances, education, homes, et cetera. So later on, we'll touch on um, this, but 
in Nelson's work, he found that a great amount of our cash flow is going to interest on things that we are financing. In fact, it was amazingly surprising to me that so much of our money is going to interest that it far, far exceeds any kind of rate of return we might get on any kind of investment. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about that a little bit. Well, so in Nelson's book, and we'll hit this a couple, three, four more times in different podcasts, um, you think about um, the interest that we pay. Uh, just anybody who owns a home, go and look at your payment as it's going out the door. How much is interest? Um, it's very clear that the amount of interest that we're paying is an astronomical number. Think about cars. We finance cars over three, four, five years. And then the minute we pay that car off, we go finance another one. So we're, this is a cycle that we've all gotten into. And, you know, I don't, I don't fault families for doing this because this is what mom and dad did. This is what grandma and grandpa did. This is what the people that we go to church and play golf with. This is what everybody does. So it's no wonder we do this. But if you turn around and you look at the interest that somebody's paying, it's usually somewhere between 20 and 35% of after-tax dollars that we're spending on interest alone. So wait a second here. 20 to 35%. So if all of a sudden we were able to create a system where you could actually pay yourself that same 20 to 35%. I'm giving you a great big uh, span here of what you could possibly do here on this interest. But if all of a sudden you were paying yourself that 20 to 35%, would you care about that 8 to 12% that you're making on your 401k? And by the way, your 401k, you're not going to be able to utilize for 30 years. And then you're going to start pulling out that money. And that's when you're going to pay taxes. And we already know that taxes are going up. So if all of a sudden we could show people a way to recapture the interest that they're already paying somebody else, the dollars that you would have available in your own system, infinite banking concept system, would be a number that would never, ever go away. Mike, just this last week, you and I were um, having a conversation with a gentleman who already had some IBC policies in place, and I, we just started asking some questions, and um, one of the questions we asked was, so you've got these policies in place, are you utilizing the cash value? And he said, yes, I, I use that cash value uh, towards some investments. And I said, oh, okay, great. Um, so in my mind, he's at the second, second step of IBC. And I said, but just to check, I said, um, I asked, so do you have any outside debt? For example, credit cards, student loans, car loans, mortgages, et cetera. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, well... <laughs> <laughs> just, I know, you know, you started your policies with somebody else, um, but we're going to treat you like you're our client. We would take this opportunity to discuss that a little bit because 
that investment that you put that money in, um, first of all, just how's it doing? I hope it's doing well, but I'm a little concerned given our climate right now economically. He's like, no, it didn't go well at all. I was like, yeah, I was afraid to hear that. Um, but secondly, even if it was going really well, what kind of a rate of return would you hope to get? And, you know, oftentimes people say, you know, 8, 10, 12%, something like that. Right. And yet if we add up their the interest that they're losing on their debt, they could get a much higher rate of return simply by turning the wind current, their outside debt, turning that into inside debt. They could get a much higher rate of return simply by doing that, and it's guaranteed they're the ones in control of it. It's not at risk, right? Exactly. That, you know, it, go ahead. We'll get into the we'll get into the wind current, you know, later on in the book. But that right there is a concept that most people have a difficult time wrapping their heads around. Uh, infinite banking practitioners have a hard time getting their minds wrapped around that we're so we're so we're, we're just we're drawn in by the noise that is out there as nelson would call it the noise about yep. rates of return and investments and all these things that are out there and yet that's not where it's at it's not it's not so part of uh, uh part of what big financial institutions look at is they look at liquidity, they look at use, the use of those dollars, and they look at control. Okay. Liquidity, use, and control. So if somehow, some way, we could put all of that liquidity, use, and control into a client's hands, everything changes. Everything changes for that client. But yet it takes time <laughs> yeah for somebody to be able to learn to educate to invest themselves into educating themselves about the infinite banking concept and how that all really comes together which which leads us to um one of my favorite parts of the book and we start typically we start our boot camps with um, this in some form or fashion and right. that is, and everybody on our team kind of mocks me for this, but it's first page, second column, first full paragraph. This book is not about investments of any kind. It is about how one finances the things of life, which can certainly include investments, and it is not about rates of return. So, when you come to a financial seminar and somebody starts out saying this is not about investments of any kind, that kind of opens your eyes a little bit, right? It, it does. And, and I just think, gosh, if, if you love the market or you love real estate or whatever it is that you want to invest in, and, and I, would say, I, I would say this after you have addressed your outside debt or at least most of it, if you want to invest in real estate or stocks or whatever it is that you're interested in investing in, doesn't it make sense to run those dollars through your IBC system where you're getting multiple uses of those dollars, which include death benefit, guaranteed growth, and thirdly, you can then take a loan against the policy to use it to go invest in whatever you're interested in? Doesn't that make sense? 
it's and just liquidity use and control again. That's, that's it. exactly what it is. And so many people are taking their dollars and and taking it, you know, directly to an investment of some sort. It's at risk, and they're only getting really one use of that dollar. And I think that is really the crux. That is the core of what IVC is all about. Well, and then the the, the you you hit on this a second ago. It's not about rates of return, but the next part of that whole paragraph is as time goes by interest rates are up and interest rates are down, but the process of banking goes on no matter what is happening. So it's a well-known fact that banks are making more money during low interest rates. So you and I both know that I say this at every boot camp and every webinar. Everything that we got taught about money was based on a lie or deception. So when we go out and invest money, we're always looking for what? The best rate of return. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. That is a lie, but yet that's what the system, that's what the gurus, that's what the big financial outfits are sharing with people. So we go back to the the previous thing about showing somebody how to finance the things of life. If we can get you 20, 30, 35% on your own money by showing you how to finance it, do you care about a rate of return that is get this happens out in the world you will not care absolutely so nelson has here in his book a a word of caution because back in 2000 when he wrote this um dividend scales interest rates were a little different than they are now we are um our interest rates at this point in 2020 have been held at a historically low level for a historically long amount of time um, which if you follow Dr. Bob Murphy at all, which I would recommend you go to the Nelson Nash Institute and um, even their YouTube channel um, has some great uh, videos that you can check out or just Google Dr. Robert Murphy, PhD economist. Um, now it's pretty high level stuff, but, but really interesting. Um, he has he predicted the uh, the recession back in 2007 2008, and at this time he's also predicting in the next 12 to 24 months, and this was even before COVID, he was predicting another recession because of the interest rate being held so low for so long. So Nelson mm-hmm. says presently interest earnings are lower, and hence the dividend scales, and he's showing. He's referencing the illustrations in the book. The dividend scales are lower, but, and this is really important, in comparison with other methods of financing the things of life, the difference in results remains the same. What is his point there, Mike? Basically, if you're gonna if you're gonna control the entire outcome, you by by creating a system where you make the interest instead of somebody else, the results that you're going to have in life are going to be exactly the same. So it's all about control and use of your own dollars. And so we, once again, we've been so stuck on if we go out and borrow money, we need to borrow money at a low interest rate. Or if we go out and invest money, we need to invest money at a higher rate of return. None of that stuff makes any difference. Mm-hmm. So really, it's a matter of who controls the dollars that are flowing through your hands? That's right. 
So the next paragraph all has to do with Nelson's principle number one, think yep. long range. Um, he says it's not a procedure to get rich quickly. It requires long range planning. Um, and one of the favorite quotes I have in here I love is plan as if you're going to live forever and live as if you're going to die today. Uh, Mike, do you remember the story that Nelson's son-in-law, David Stern, shared at the last think tank about Nelson coming to him and asking him about his the amount of policy loans he had on his policies? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Would, do you want to share how you, how sure. you remember that? So, you know, Nelson's health over the last probably, uh, I'm going to say two to three to four years had started taking a, a, a slide downward. And um, so one of the things that we, we are always taught is if we own the banking system, we should be continually taking loans and then repaying those loans. So it's a matter of keeping those dollars circulating. But um, <laughs> David had done a pretty uh, extensive remodel on the house that he and Kim bought from Nelson and Mary. And so uh, he... Uh, this remodel was in excess of a half a million dollars. And uh, th this is available on, uh, in, 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 our, uh, in some YouTube channels. So I don't think it's anything that, uh, that David would be upset about. But, <laughs> no. <laughs> but Nelson turned around and said, you, do you have any loans on your policies? And David said, yes, I do. I have a pretty large loan on the remodel. And I, I think as David was telling the story, he was a, he was a little embarrassed. He was like, mm, man, I really don't want to tell Nelson how big my policy loans are. Yeah, because, I mean, we've all done that um, where we've had to explain to somebody that, oh, my gosh, this is how much my loans are. But Nelson's comment to him was good. You're going to need a place to put some money real soon. Yeah. So yeah. there was a, a, a finality that Nelson knew that his, that his days were numbered, which was, uh, I, I mean, this was a year ago now. Mm -hmm. and, and David just shared this story just in February at our national conference. So it, it became, the story really went, full circle at that point. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's one of my fa favorite memories from this last think tank is listening to David share that. And, and David was kind enough to share um, the layout of their personal um, policies and their IBC system that they've built. And um, obviously um, there would be some windfalls coming with Nelson's pa passing. Um, right. but any of those, any of those, uh, policy loans would probably be filled up pretty quickly would be my guess. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> so um, then Nelson talks about becoming your own banker is not a tax qualified idea of any sort. And I want to add a little bit into this. You know how I am with my details and my research. The income tax law, as we know it today, has only been around since 1913. Life insurance has been around for over 200 years and is not a creature of any tax code. It is nothing more than like-minded people contracting with another, one another to solve a financial problem. So 
most people that we talk to today don't know a world without a 401k. The 401k became a part of our world with the introduction of the Revenue Act of 1978, which, just a little side note, pay attention to the name of that act. It's called the Revenue Act. And just think about who do you think that revenue was for? (laughs) So in 1978, so if that was introduced in 1978, let's just round off and say 1980, and only adults would have really known about that. So you would have had to have been born 20 years prior to that to be an adult. So let's just say anyone born roughly 1960 or later doesn't know a world without a 401k or tax qualified plan, right? That's right. So our whole mindset is putting money into tax qualified plans into things like 401ks, mutual funds, IRAs, et cetera. And Nelson is saying, wait a second, life insurance has been around for over 200 years and it's not a creature of any tax code. So Mike, my question to you is, there's a lot to unpack here, but what are the benefits of having our dollars in something that is not part of the tax code, not part of the qualified plan world that we live in? Well, we've, we've got to lay some foundation here and think about the 401k and the IRAs and the mutual funds. We're, we were taught all throughout our lives, our adult lives, that we should put money in pre-tax. We should do that pre-tax. And of course, now now you're getting into, we're going to get into the weeds for just a moment. So the questions we always ask is, uh, number one, are income taxes going to go up or down? You can answer that question. Number two, the money that you have presently, whether it's in your savings account or checking account, is it worth more today or worth more tomorrow? And number three, when thinking of income taxes, do you want to pay income taxes on the little amount, the seed, or do you want to pay income taxes on the big amount, the harvest? Well, life insurance has been around for really about 252 to 255 years. So it was created more than 120 years prior to 1913 when the income tax code was put into place. So life insurance, whole life insurance is the only financial instrument that you can actually put money in and have access to in an income tax-free environment. But everything else that we've been taught to put our money into, in case 403Bs, mutual funds, annuities, IRAs, even Roth IRAs, are all part of the income tax code. Well, what was the name of that Revenue Act? Yeah, the Revenue Act of 1978. And who's the revenue really for? Well, it's not for you and I as consumers. It was was created for the government. Mm -hmm. So if, if the 401k, et cetera, et al. was created by the government, who do you think the money is really for? It's not for you and me, but yet we're sold We're sold on the fact that they tell us it's for us. It is absolutely 100% not for us. 
So part of what we've got to do is we've got to educate people. Really, the life insurance industry, especially dividend-paying whole life insurance, and even more importantly, infinite banking authorized practitioners are the people that completely understand all of the facets of what's going on and the availability of those dollars to be able to create your own system and have access to those dollars without any governmental involvement. It's the only financial tool out there that will do all of these things. It's been around for a really, really long time. Nelson says our wealth has to reside someplace says, you know, the advantage that most folks ignore in their thought process, and it limits their effectiveness. And so just, he clarifies, this is, he's not talking about a bank in the conventional sense. And I think we all know that he's just talking about how you can utilize a specially designed dividend paying whole life insurance policy that you can use to solve for your finances through one's life. Um, yep. Just to add in here real quickly, Nelson at one point was the owner of 49 whole life insurance policies. Mike Everett, um, how many policies do you own at this point? I own 19. Yeah, and I think I'm up to seven now at this point. So it, it's it's about, and we'll talk about this later, Nelson says in his book, it is it, one policy is not going to do it for you. It's a system of policies. Yeah. So his hope is that it gives a uh, a new perspective on the idea of retirement, which, you know, Nelson always liked to refer to it as passive income. Uh, he was still working, still teaching, even into his 80s. Um, so the whole typical idea of retirement did not, um, <laughs> that's not something that Nelson Nash uh, took to heart at all. Um, so these... Um, this this introduction here, he starts to talk here in a little bit about the concept not being complicated. It is just different from the way the majority thinks and behaves. How often do we run into that where it's not that it's hard to understand. The concept's really simple. It's just that it's not how we've been taught to think. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to get people to get out of the rut that we have in our brain. We have been doing the same thing that our, our peers have been doing. We've been doing the same thing that our parents have been doing. And it's nigh to impossible to get people to get out of, get out of the ruts in their brain. Mm -hmm. And so part of what we've got to do is that's why we take education to this high level I always talk about. Because we believe that we've got to educate people in order to get them to completely understand. And, 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 you know, part of the thing is most people won't take the time and the energy to educate their clients. In fact, when we go do our boot camps, you know, we go do boot camps all over the country. And people can't believe that we come down on our dime to be able to teach and educate people about the infinite banking concept because we believe that if somebody's going to spend six to eight hours with us on a Saturday to learn about the infinite banking concept, then we probably ought to have a, a little bit of skin in the game, but they are going to get the skin in the game by purchasing Nelson's book 
and spending six to eight hours with us. So it's, it's fun for really both of us as we're uh, embarking on this trip. But um, <laughs> it, it says at the end of that paragraph, in fact, it is the ultimate in simplicity. <laughs> I'm going to tell yeah. you. Nelson always said it's a really peaceful way to live life. It really is. Hmm. It's good. So um, Nelson also, um, he, he was a learner. He's a teacher and a learner. And he referenced uh, in the back of the book a, um, a list of books. He's got two lists here. Um, so in, if you're reading through Nelson Nash's book, and that's where you should start, but then if you're wanting to learn more and really get a Ph.D. education, he has book recommendations um, that he has listed there on all kinds of topics. And then he also has another list that is recommended reading for those interested in the stock market. Um, I'll just highlight one title, Myths, Lies, and Downright Stupidity. <laughs> been like there Nelson. been there sounds done like, that <laughs> sounds like nelson may have even been involved in titling that book <laughs> yeah no kidding mike thanks um for our listeners that uh, believe it or not we took two sessions two podcasts just to get through the introduction um but you know nelson packed so much into this book um that's why we read it and read it and read it I will end with this, uh, a quote that ha Nelson has here that we use in our uh, boot camp, and it is by Will Rogers. The problem in America isn't so much what people don't know. The problem is what people think they know that just ain't so. Thanks for joining us. Check us out at LifeSuccessLegacy.com. Mike, thanks for joining me, and we'll look forward thanks to our next podcast. Take care, everybody.